You're listening to Lanyap, a weekly digest of news, personal finance, brotherly banter, and whatever else is on our minds. From Stokes Family Office. Hello, everyone. This is Greg Stokes. I'm with my brother, Doug. This is Lanyap Podcast. Today is Friday, December 22nd. Um, it's been a wild week in the markets. We've been recording a lot on Fridays because it's been busy in the Stokes family office as well, too. Um, anyway, we're, the year's coming to a close. This is going to be our last podcast of the year, given that next week is a Christmas week. My wife and I will be traveling, which is going to be a welcome respite um, from spending a lot of family time with the kids and all of the holiday activities and everything. Um so anyway, just before we get into the, the meat of this podcast, it's been a fantastic year in the stock market, the bond market, personally, professionally, et cetera. Uh, we're grateful for all of our clients, grateful for our associates in the office. I'm grateful for my brother, Doug, and my dad, Dave. Um, and I'm grateful that we've had a nice bounce back in the markets as well, too. It's been a really, in, this, in the bond market, it's been really difficult the last two or three years. Um, we're coming off of the most difficult, the worst period in the U.S. in the in the bond market in the U.S. The United States history, going back to the American Revolution, and the stock market was in a bear market basically, and looks like it's about to be. I don't know if it's officially out of the bear market or if we've reached a new high yet, but we're knocking on the door. So it's been a really nice period of time, and we're also approaching the seasonably best period of time of the year, the um, uh, well-named Santa Claus rally. So that basically starts today on this Friday and goes into the first couple days of the new year. So hopefully we have a nice strong push towards the new year. Um, but anyway, it's been a really good period of time um, and it's been a really good uh, market as well, too. So, Doug, before we get into the meat of this, you want to share some thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Santa Claus rally. The first thing that popped in my mind is haven't we already had a Santa Claus rally? I mean, if you look at where the market came from, from the stock market, from really mid to end of October and really timing perfectly with what the bond market has done since the end of October. We've had one of the best, uh, what, 50-day periods in market history. And I uh, I was uh, asked by someone earlier this week about whether we should expect a Santa Claus rally. And I, first of all, um, any sort of market predictions over a week-to-week term is a flip of the coin. Um, but the second piece is, um, yeah, I think the be, be grateful for uh, what's occurred, especially if you're a stock and bond investor over the last uh, seven weeks, because it's been historic in markets. Another thing I noticed is the uh, 10-year treasury, after all of the craziness that occurred in 2023 with interest rate movements, is essentially where it was at the beginning of the year. Um, we had so much volatility in interest rates and uh, interest rates got 10-year treasury got up to 5%. The uh, expectation for this year, if you recall from uh, the market forecasts in the beginning of this year was that the Federal Reserve is going to begin cutting interest rates in the, in the fourth quarter of 2023. Then uh, as inflation showed to be a little bit stickier, the Fed was a little bit more hawkish and concerned about return to 1970-style inflation, the narrative changed over the summer from cuts to uh, what was termed higher for longer, which means higher higher interest rates or higher base rate, Fed funds rate for a longer period of time. Inflation wasn't transitory, et cetera. Um, 
Now we're looking at in the fourth quarter of this year, all of that prediction around inflation and disinflation is starting to materialize and the Federal Reserve is responding accordingly with uh, with their communications and the market is predicting now uh, some pretty sustained cuts going into 2024. This is uh, a uh, actually core PCE, which is the Fed's uh, favorite uh, inflation measure came out this morning. Uh, this is uh, a tweet that we found uh, from earlier today. It says it's from uh, I'm going to spell I'm going to say his name wrong, wrong, but he can correct me. Mike Konzikal. Uh, he says, "Wow!" And there you have it: six month core PC at 1.87 percent under the Federal Reserve's two percent target. I was cautiously optimistic about 2023. Have some soft landing blog posts from a year ago, but this disinflation is far beyond what I imagined. Then he goes into some further detail. Um, we were in this camp too earlier in the year, and uh, and it, it wasn't looking pretty, uh, you know, over the summer and, and I th- and into the fall. And I think um, now it's starting to shift pretty dramatically. And if you took out some duration in bonds in September, October, when the the ten uh, year Treasury jumped to four and a half, then to five percent, uh, you're feeling pretty good about your position in that uh, area. And the second thing I'll say on stocks is one of the narratives uh, from this summer as the market volatility really picked up was around what's called market breadth. And what that means is that there's so few stocks uh, carrying the market. Remember, there was seven stocks or the Magnificent Seven that were accounting for all of the S&P 500 gains uh, throughout really the halfway point in the year. And there were bearish calls that there would be a reversal, that those seven stocks would come back down to earth, when in fact, what really happened was those stocks sustained and continued to grow, but all other 493 companies, not really all of them, but uh, a large majority of them uh, started to catch up. And so that's what we've seen over the last uh, really 50 days is not necessarily coming back down to earth of the Magnificent Seven, but a massive rebound in small and mid cap stocks to catch up with the with the large cap tech specifically technology companies and so um, all in all I think the 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 messaging from the last 50 days or so as we've come to uh, holiday season is uh, interest rates are coming down uh, inflation is coming down and uh, asset prices are reflecting that that sort of movement yeah exactly I could have said it better Doug if, if you look at what actually um, what the market's responding to, t- to today, it initially opened up. It's kind of chilled out a little bit. But core PCE, which is the consumer, uh, it's an inflationary measure that the Fed uses. I don't know what the acronym means, honestly. But anyway, the, the, there's um, different components to inflation. The Fed doesn't like to look at energy or food costs because those are so volatile. But they, look, they like to look at the core of um, inflation that doesn't move a whole lot month over month. And that has really come down dramatically. And that's what the, the markets responded to today. On a six-month basis, uh, core PCE was 1.9%, which is actually below the Fed's target of 2%. And there's two sets of implications for this. Number one, inflation is back at target. Basically, the Fed's target is 2%. Inflation on a rolling six-month basis is at 1.9%. And then secondarily, since inflation expectations are falling, the Fed is, does not want to be restrictive anymore. They don't want to, if, if their objective has already been met, they don't need to go ahead and basically bring the hammer 
down, keep rates high, keep the, the economy in a restrictive state, their objective would be based upon that to cut rates. And so what, what's actually resulted from this is the market's actually pricing a, it's, it's, it's giving like an 80% chance of a rate hike in March. Cut. But the rate, thank you, rate cut in March. But they're also, the market's also uh, now pricing like a 15% chance of a rate cut uh, in January, um, which was not even on the table up until recently. Furthermore, if you look at the sort of positivity as it relates to the macro, um, the U.S.-Michigan consumer price sentiment is at 69.7, which is higher than it's been in a really long time. Um, the, the fact that interest rates are down on the long end of the spectrum means that mortgage rates are going to be down and make housing more affordable. If the Fed starts cutting, it's going to gonna spur economic activity. There's all kinds of positivity, and we keep reiterating this. Like, like when we were talking about in August, September, October, how we thought that if you could buy a 5% bond, U.S. government-backed bond on a long-term basis, and inflation was going to be at 2%, it was a hell of a deal. There's the same, it's the same sort of um, positive, po- there's potential in the equity markets as well, too, because you have all of this, this underwell of, of support in terms of inflation coming down, the Fed being more accommodating. Markets haven't done a whole lot. Um, it looks like things are really positive, and there's a reason why the markets have responded very positively over the last two or three months. And I think that I'm looking at this from the perspective of positivity on a go-forward basis as well, too, based upon all these factors. It looks like there's a lot of uh, tailwinds instead of what we were facing in terms of headwinds up, up until not too long ago. Anything can drive the markets off course, but as it stands right now, I'm bullish on 2024 and the following years. So is uh, it's a good segue to um, someone we follow pretty closely, which who is Urien Timmer, who's the director of Global Macro at Fidelity. Uh, he posted his outlook this morning. Of course, um, as everyone knows, we are uh, we are very anti outlook um, because uh, you're basically there is no crystal ball, and crystal balls are quite foggy, so anything can happen. But I think this is a reasonable take from from Urien. He says. Outlook for 2024, I expect a broadening bull market as the Fed pivots at at least initially and the bond market finds a new range while earnings advance and the economy survives the great hiking cycle of 2022-23. Two caveats, which I think these are both exactly right. The Fed might pivot prematurely, forcing it to replenish, repent sorry, on its dovish, dovish narrative sometime in the second half. Giving back a few rate hikes makes sense. The market loves the idea, obviously, but for me, a hawkish pivot seems like a bigger risk than a hard landing. So essentially what that means is uh, we start cutting in the first half of 2024, inflation picks back up, the Fed's forced to pivot again and start hiking. And uh, that would obviously uh, reignite the narratives around 1970s style inflation um, and you know cost of debt at the government level, cost of debt at the corporate level and recession uh, as a result of that. Number two, he says at a four P of 20.8 times, most of the soft landing narrative may already be priced in. The four P ratio gained 5.5 points since its low of 15.3 in October 2022 in anticipation of an earnings recovery. That recovery is happening, but how much of it can be, it, how much of it might be offset by multiple compression remains to be seen. The chart reminds me that valuations are often zigging while earnings are zagging. 
We started 2023 with fears of recession, and by the summer, we were pondering instead the prospect of systemic inflation. Now, as we close the year we look and look ahead, we're back in the middle where Goldilocks lives. Of course, market narratives are rarely static the subject and subject to wild swings. We'll see what 24, 24 brings. I think that's right. I think um, I, I would add the there's probably a third component to this where um, it's, uh, you know, disinflation turns into deflation because the earnings recovery doesn't really hold up. And uh, and so those as we're looking at 2024, uh, we are we are always long term bullish. Uh, I would I would call myself a pragmatic permable. And uh, and I think when you're looking at uh, risks on a go forward basis, the three mentioned there, a uh, you know a pivot too early to cutting, uh, how much of this is already priced in, and or a uh, you know disinflation turns to deflation. I think all of that are reasonable risks that are exposed to the market. Yep, and it's always the risk that you don't know is the one that can come bite you. But definitely, the, like for example, nobody was anticipating that we we're going to have a global pandemic or Ukraine was going to fight Russia or whatever. So those are the ones that nobody knows, um, nobody knew were going to occur and that affect the markets. And that's, there's going to be something like that that pops up um, in the future, as as per usual. Um, so I agree with you. I'm a pragmatic permable because if you just look at the data. And the trajectory of humanity, that's what the that's the been the best bet to make, basically. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm I got a sh- one before you jump to the I've got, I just saw this. I think this is so interesting. Uh, what what would you say is the the narrative, the broad all markets narrative of 2023? I've got my opinion. And all, but what would you say was the big, uh, you know, big risk that everybody was talking about throughout the year? And if you recall with uh, like the banking issues and march um what what would you say would was the uh you know everybody knew that this was an issue and uh if you had a had a position here you needed to sell it well i think the big uh the 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 macro risk for 2022 and 2023 is that we're gonna have a recession yeah well i think that that's right and then digging further i think the big remember all the talk about real estate commercial real estate office um, the that's been a hell of an investment, by the way. Have you seen all yeah. that? Like yeah, Vornado so, Realty is up like all these re- these REITs are up like 100 percent since all the basically the REIT, we do the, the exact REIT upside. index. Yeah, the REIT index is a lot up 11 percent year to date. Uh, yeah, all um, if you go into the actual office REITs, go to uh, Empire Bernardo, State Realty Trust, which is the, yeah. that's the, the Empire State Building and a bunch of Bernardo uh, Realty Trust year to date up forty five point one nine percent. Bernardo Realty Trust, which is the a huge office uh, REIT, ba- really based out of New York. Um, Empire State the, Realty Trust. They own the Empire State Building and a bunch of like old, uh, horrible like Class B real estate in New York City. This everybody's talking about empty storefronts and all this stuff. We actually talked about it because I went to New York in the spring and I thought the same thing. But I was also thinking about it from an in, because the narrative was so negative. That's usually a positive indicator to be buying because nobody wants to be owning it. But Hudson Pacific Properties, which is one of the largest office REITs on the West Coast, which has experienced its obvious pains with the um, really that's been the biggest uh, work from home sector. You had obviously political issues in uh, San Francisco that you know is is boiling to the surface and. Uh, that city's in, in uh, apparent decline and hopefully recovery, um, down four percent year to date. But 
over the last one month, up 72%. Over the last three months, up 40%. Um, and so it's just funny that uh, you have all of these uh, these obvious things like why would you ever want to own office and when somebody says that is usually like the best time indicated that indication that it's a good value the the you you could probably you could potentially say that about san francisco on the whole right now like that they've experienced it's such an amazing city that they and they've experienced such horrible um mismanagement etc that that may now be might be a great time to be investing in san francisco um who knows i mean the same thing could be said about um, who like if you look at the the best performing countries on the the global investment landscape? We've talked about this ad nauseum, but Argentina. Nobody wanted to be investing in Argentina the last few years, and Argentina's been one of the, one of the best places to invest. Same thing goes with Turkey. Turkey had a currency crisis. Who would want to invest in Turkey? It's been a great. So basically, if the crowd knows something, then it's priced in or very or not priced in, but it's maybe overpriced essentially and. And that could be a positive indicator. It's like you, you astutely pointed out that office real estate that was the a big risk factor for the, the big known risk for twenty twenty three is uh, has been this has been sort of uh, countered. So yeah, Empire State Realty Trust is the other one I was just referencing. It's up forty four percent year to date, not including dividends. Yeah. Anyway, so I think um, that really the takeaway here is, and it, and it goes back to Urian's outlook. Uh, I, I generally like a bullish outlook over a bearish outlook, and that's just my. Um, you're you're likely going to be right if you're taking a bullish outlook, as you've de- if you've, you've uh, described. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think when you get these very uh, pessimistic pessimistic narratives, and they start to boil to the surface, it's almost time to take a second look and say, where is their opportunity here? Yeah. You know, so looking back on the same sort of the other, it works the other way too. So like, um, back in COVID, everybody thought that these COVID stocks or whatever were going to be the next, the second coming or whatever, um, crypto, crypto, um, people were buying used cars and, and paying overpaying way overpaying MSRP for new cars or whatever used car prices now are at their lowest level in 30 months, down 10% from the peak in July of 2022. The average Tesla is now $30,000 lower than the peak in July of 2022, or 44% decline. Um, it's just, so it's, 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 it's helpful to think about things from a contrarian perspective because, um, and, and the same thing goes with any sort of like apparent thing during that period of time, like, um, if we talked about this on length, but you couldn't get a pool put in and now you can get a pool put in your house and and no time at all. Um, but if you, if you basically have patience and wait things out it, a lot of times what the crowd is thinking or what the crowd is doing, you're going to be able to profit or at least um, operate more efficiently if you do the opposite of what the crowd's doing. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so we're coming up on 20 minutes here. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to go through, Greg. I, I, I cut you off for a bit, but um, but I'm, I've gone through my list and that's everything I want to talk about. I want to, I want to point out two different things and we can close it out. So number one, uh, we talked about this at the outset of the year. People were talking about how the U.S. dollar was going to lose its status as a reserve currency. That was another issue that now is the contrarian. The, the contrarian take was is that that's, that's uh, uh, BS, basically, um, because there's no other option, uh, or TINA. Um, and now uh, the U.S. dollar is uh, 48% of international payment transactions 
or the highest level in more than a decade. Um, another interesting piece is that looking back at that, that COVID period, Zoom video at one point in time had a bigger market cap than ExxonMobil. It's crazy to think, <laughs> think about that. Um, and then lastly, and this relates to the COVID time period, I saw that Bird Scooter, which raised uh, close to a billion dollars in capital and at one point was valued at $2.5 billion, recently just filed for bankruptcy, um, which is, <laughs> I can't believe that that, uh, in hindsight, these things are so evident. Like who would think that's a real business? Um, riding around on scooters or whatever um anyway so they are fun uh but i'm i just don't i I think yeah and they're very dangerous i've only i've done it two or three times um but it's not a there's no business there it's it's uh it's like sort of a gimmick and if it it, like if you're not going to take an you're not going to like substitute a bird for an uber on a night out i just don't yeah, especially if you're with a date or something, it's just uh, or your kids, it's just not going to happen, right? All right, guys. Like we mentioned, this is our last podcast for the year. We'll close it out. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. Um, we hope you guys have a really great time with your family, and um, we'll talk to you guys in the new year. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lanyap. This podcast is brought to you by Stokes Family Office. If you liked this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about Stokes Family Office and Lanyap, visit us at stokesfamilyoffice.com. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.